0: Today on Ag News Daily,
1: Ashley Hansen's office and Senator Grassley and Ernst's office have been in touch with Iowa pork producers, and, and we've definitely had good conversation back and forth on this topic. Well,
0: listeners, welcome. July six, two thousand twenty-three. Just after the noon hour, Central Time. Getting this podcast recorded for you, Tanner and Delaney. Here, we don't want to waste any time today. We're going to jump right into it, right? Delaney.
2: Absolutely, Tanner. I feel like we should probably kick off some weather headlines because we saw the U.S. drought monitor was released for this week showing that The Midwest rains are not enough of a break to change any sort of long-term drought that we've been seeing here as the nation is still 67% of corn is still rooted in drought across the Midwest standard, while soybeans are showing 60% rooted in drought. That is both down three percentage points for each corn and soybeans compared to last week, but really not much of a major impact as we did see quite a bit of major rainfall falling across most of the Midwest last week.
0: Yeah, it is going to be interesting to see how that changes. Uh, As we look at forecasts, we're still seeing thunderstorm warnings issued in southern Oklahoma and uh, looking for some severe weather to go across our south. We're looking here, Missouri, central Illinois, also seeing thunderstorms this afternoon, kind of seems to be popping up. Moisture will be persisting. In many areas, it might even delay some of the wheat harvest in Kansas uh, as they go through that process. But uh, we're hearing rains, they just seem to be spotty and uh, could potentially usually come with either damaging hail or high winds.
2: Yeah, and we're also seeing reports, Tanner, of continued subsoil moisture being very short to very short. USDA put out some recent charts here looking at how subsoil moisture has rated compared to years prior and also ranking it on a scale of 0 to 100, as well as percentage change week over week. And all in all, we're seeing a lot of states in the Southern portion of the United States, Texas, the panhandle into Florida, are showing actually a negative change of subsoil moisture compared to weeks prior. But all in all, most states in the Midwest, aside from Nebraska, saw a mostly worsening subsoil moisture for the last week. And as far as states reporting short to very short moisture, all states, except for a few up in the northeastern portion, New England states, are reporting that subsoil moisture is noticeably different compared to the week prior
0: yeah it it, again uh, I don't think is going to come as a surprise uh, based on the conversations that we've had but we got unfortunate news out of a small town southeast of San Antonio Tynan Texas town of about 270 people had a grain elevator collapse that killed one man and injured two others at nearly 4 p.m. on the 4th of July. Emergency personnel were called to two grain silos at R&R Commodities just off of Highway 369 that had reportedly ruptured and collapsed onto two 18 wheelers. They were trapping several subjects inside. The B County Sheriff's Department responded. Sheriff Ron Jones has told DTN that two men were found injured and sent to hospitals. The other, a 37-year-old was found deceased. The condition of the other two workers and the collapse has still not been released. The collapse is under investigation, unfortunately, but big thanks to volunteer fire departments and emergency medical personnel and other officials that came from surrounding communities to help with the rescue. This uh, city is located about 20 miles north of Tynan, which is where the first responders came from. So unfortunate news there, and I'm sure we're going to get more updates on the survivors as part of this story unveils.
2: Well, Tanner, as we continue to discuss the aftermath of Proposition 12, we're going to be chatting today with the Iowa Pork Producers President, Trish Cook, to talk about the EATS legislation, because this is top of mind for a lot of producers. We saw the latest Ag Economy Barometer released by Purdue University actually talked about this very subject, Tanner. Large-scale farmers and ranchers were slightly more optimistic than last month that Congress will pass a farm bill this year, but they doubt it will be a vehicle for overturning California's Proposition 12 animal welfare law, according to the Ag Economy Barometer released on Wednesday. As we know, the pork industry is seeking legislative override through the EATS Act, which we're going to dig into more today. And some 36% of farmers surveyed by the barometer said that they thought it was unlikely that Congress would do anything to turn over Prop 12 in the new farm bill. 40% said that they were uncertain. As far as other quick headlines here from the ag economy barometer and things that they looked at, Tanner, the overall ag economy barometer increased 17 points compared to June's indicator, meaning that farmers are more optimistic about the farm economy moving forward. Other uh, quick headlines here as far as looking at other numbers, short-term farmland value expectations increased this month, as many farmers said that they're expecting farmland values to continue to either stay the same or increase and lastly, compared to 2023, expectations for cash rents in your area next year, 25% of respondents said they think cash rents will be higher, 68% said about the same, and 7% said lower.
0: Yeah, I had also seen that. So I'm glad that you were able to report on that. Yesterday, we saw stocks tumble after fresh data signaled that the labor market remains piping hot. The heightened concerns now that the Federal Reserve will raise interest rates for a longer than expected period. The Dow dropped 553 points, or almost 1.5%. The S&P 500 fell 1.1%, and the NASDAQ fell also 1.3%. The two-year Treasury yield reached its high. and. touching the highest level since june of 2007 the two years that uh the two year was trading at 5.065 prior to this recent news the 10-year treasury yield rose to over four percent this has investors worried that now we may see uh, another threshold being set that could lead to tighter liquidity of course what does this mean to our listeners well, as the Fed increases rates, so do operating notes, but when the 10 and five-year treasuries move, so does most equipment rates as well as land purchasing rates. So the U.S. private sector added an estimated 497,000 jobs, according to the ADP. That's significantly higher than the 220,000 jobs that economists had predicted, which is the main reason for that big flip.
2: Well, Tanner, switching tracks here in some Automotive news. Cummins has acquired the full ownership of Hydrogenics. Uh, The U.S. engine manufacturer acquired ownership of Hydrogenics Corporation after buying out air liquids, 19 percent stock in the company. This is big news for the AEM industry, Tanner. And as we look at Hydrogenics, they are a specialist company in fuel cells and hydrogen production. Cummins said that they are starting to develop their fuel cell capabilities and looking at hydropower as part of a way to diversify their market position moving forward. As we know, a lot of companies are looking at alternative energy sources, and it sounds like Cummins is focusing on hydrogen-powered energy, Tanner.
0: Yeah, that's uh, interesting to see where that moves, as we talked about hydrogen drilling uh, earlier on the podcast. China's Xi Jinping uh, stated that he warned Putin about against using nuclear weapons, uh, stated that it underscores that this could create isolation if Russia were to use them on Ukraine. If Putin ignores President Xi, or Xi then this could create a worldwide difference and China would not back that of Russia. So We'll continue to watch those relationships. Of course, the White House is monitoring the Wagner Group, but it is not going to provide any updates as to what they know about the whereabouts of that group. The Belarusian president, Lelishenko stated that the leader is in the Russian city, St. Petersburg, and not in Belarus at this time. Comments are now raised to question whether or not the purported deal brokered by Loloshenko is going to be short-lived, and if there could be an additional revolt coming. We also saw Thursday that Russian state media released footage that allegedly shows a police raid on uh, the Wagner's office in St. Petersburg. Also in Ukraine, they're seeing a strike on residential buildings now on the western side, leaving at least five dead and more injured as they continue to monitor what's happening between Russia and Ukraine. The President Zelensky was quoted that it is unfair what Russia has done since its invasion and that they potentially, Ukraine, doesn't know where over 200,000 children are Due to this invasion and request information from Russian forces as far as where those children are and when they can be released. That's the last of my headlines for today.
2: All right. Well, I don't think I have any other headlines here either, Tanner, aside from chatting markets. And it looks like as we are heading almost into the close here at the midday things are trading mixed across the board. September corn up 11 and three4 cents at 4.97 and these new crop corn up 10 and a half cents at 504. Soybeans are trading lower today as the August contract is down 20 and three quarter cents at 14.48. Nove new crop beans down 18 cents at 13, and 3 quarters. In the wheat pits here, we are seeing mostly weakness except for spring wheat, which is up just slightly on the board. However, September hard red winter wheat is down three and a quarter cent at 843. As we hop over to looking at livestock here, Tanner, at the midday, August live cattle are down thirty-two and a half cents at a seventy-four sixty-two. August feeder cattle is down two dollars sixty-five cents at two forty-two oh five, and August lean hogs up thirty cents here today at ninety-seven seventy-two. Tanner, once again, we are chatting with Trish Cook to talk about the Eats Act legislation to talk about how that may impact Proposition Twelve. Well, folks, the issue of Proposition 12 is not completely thrown out the door, but as we know, we had a big impact, big blow to the pork industry with the announcement of Proposition 12 going into effect. We're talking about the legislation to counteract that today with Trish Cook, the current president for the Iowa Pork Producers Association. Trish, thank you so much for joining us. Really excited to dig into this conversation more. Great.
1: Thanks, Delaney, so much for taking the time to talk with me about this very current topic today.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this is on the minds of a lot of pork producers in particular, but also myself, just, you know, what is the path forward? And maybe we should start first with giving us a high-level overview of the EATS Act for those of our listeners who are not familiar with it.
1: Yeah. So the EATS Act stands for Ending Agricultural Trade Suppression. So it's really addressing interstate commerce. And of course, this all came to head after the Supreme Court decision upholding um, Proposition 12 in California, because at that point, um, the justices wrote that Congress has the power to regulate interstate commerce, but they have yet to enact legislation. So um, we've had some of our elected officials realize that now this is coming to their ballpark they need to to do something about it legislatively because judicially it's not happening so this is why i'm very happy that this discussion is happening and we're trying to get some interstate commerce things figured out so that states while they can regulate what happens within their own boundaries that they can't overreach and in this case in proposition 12 tell iowa pig farmers how to raise their pigs for consumption in california
0: so this could potentially stem beyond just the hog farmers as far as it being the highlight or the reason for this act moving forward. Is this something that you've seen unanimous support throughout most states or how is it looking?
1: Well, we um, actually had a bunch of state pork producers together last week and we kind of had a leaders meeting in our state execs, so we had a discussion to talk about it. Um, And I guess the first part of your question is it it's bigger than pork. And I think right now, obviously, as a pork producer, it's really important for for pork that we can get um, the regulation of interstate commerce under control. But it's bigger than pork. So as as I mentioned, we had a lot of leaders from across the country talking about it. And while I'm not a politician, I'm a pig farmer. And to me, food security is national security. So it doesn't seem like it should be a partisan issue, but turns out it's politics. So everything is partisan.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, food is definitely one of the top issues when you think about national security. But when you look at the legislators behind this, um, this act, we've got Senator Marshall and then Ashley Henson here, of course, from the home state of Iowa, Do you know, Trish, were they working on this legislation prior to Proposition 12 going into full effect, or did they just put this pull this thing together once we got final word that that was happening? And have they worked directly with Iowa pork producers and other commodity organizations to keep you guys involved in the conversation?
1: I mean, that's that's a very good question. I guess I'm not sure the timing of it, if they kind of had it in their toolbox waiting to see what the Supreme Court decision was back in May. Um, So that's very possible. I can't, I don't know for sure the time frame of, of them putting it together, but yes, um, both uh, Ashley Henson's office and Senator Grassley and Ernst's office have been in touch with Iowa pork producers, and, and we've definitely had good conversation back and forth on this topic.
0: So as we look to see this progress, what are next steps? What can our listeners do to help?
1: Well, I did just this week have an editorial in the Des Moines Register, kind of a little bit to educate folks. And, and again, in Iowa, we're appreciative because our governor and all six of our federally elected you know, House and Senate members are on board with the EATS Act. So the EATS Act right now is introduced as a standalone bill. Um, and of course, we're going to try and pursue it that direction. But there's also a possibility that this could get put into the Farm Bill, which is Obviously, there's a goal to get that passed this year, and if the EATS can't be standalone, the next step would be to try and get it through the ag committees to get the language into the Farm Bill. And if you are in a state that has anyone on the ag committee, um, it would be great for those folks to reach out to those their elected officials and encourage them to talk about this and why it's so important for agriculture.
2: Patricia, I assume that you have probably been coordinating and communicating with other industry commodity organizations, other pork organizations. What are they saying as far as how you guys work together to get this thing pushed through?
1: That's a great topic. And, And Senator Grassley, when he met with some pork producers a couple of weeks ago in Western Iowa, he was just also saying that we need as a coalition of barnyard friends to be together on this topic. So uh, at the state level, I've been talking with our office, with the conversations with our other barnyard friends, and at the national level, uh, the National Pork Producers Council has been having discussions with the national organizations. So that again, you know, we're one piece of agriculture, but yet all of agriculture is affected. And like I just kind of like to remind people, it's bigger than pork. Just right now, it feels like it's us, but the next thing, it could be against grains, it could be against GMO, it could be against pesticides, it could be against anything that that the activists decide is is what they want to focus on, because with what the ruling was with the Supreme Court, it's kind of just a green light for them to go.
0: Yeah, that's great that we have leaders to try and bring together a unified message, but in your role, I'm sure there's more than just the EATS Act. Is there anything else that you are working diligently on at this time?
1: Well, with the Farm Builder, of course, that only comes around once every five years or six years, right? Depending on if it gets renewed timely. So we're asking in there just some funding for help with foreign animal disease, so funding for the National Animal you know, Health the Laboratory Network that does disease testing. Uh, we're asking for permanent funding for the Beagle Brigade. So those are the, the animals that are at work with Customs and Border Patrol to sniff out what's coming into our country. So I'd like to always say they're just looking for meat, but they're also looking for, you know, fruits and vegetables that should not aren't allowed to be coming into this country from other countries. So there's some other things um, just, you know, vaccine banks and things like that, that we're trying to get into the farm bill that are also things we're talking about.
2: Awesome, Trish. Well, we certainly appreciate your time today, just giving us a little more insight into the EATS Act and other things that Iowa Pork is focused on. So thanks again for joining. Thank you so much for letting me have a chance to talk with you today.
0: was a good conversation i feel like you carried a majority of that delaney so good job but always fun to catch up and maybe we've got a promise here at least something promising that may be able to push back
2: absolutely tanner i don't know if it'll go anywhere but it'll be interesting to find out if it does
0: absolutely listeners thanks for hanging out with us a little bit later again as we get this fourth of july week rounded out we'll be back again tomorrow but for today what do you say should we let them go let's let them go